hello everybody and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast and yes we have got three guests and no it's not Tommy thankfully uh, after Max Verstappen's victory around him it is in fact Channel 4 commentator and legend in every scene the F1 esports scene motorsports scene there's a lot of stories about car parks as well, so maybe a legend there I mean, too. Alex yeah. Jakes, welcome. How are you, my friend? How was Imola? I- Imola? Oh, my word. It is. It's a treat. Every time you go. Don't believe the slander about the car parks. It's a treat every time you go. Uh, it's a wonderful venue to go motor racing, and thank you for having me on the pod. Oh, well, thank you for spending some time. You've literally just got in from your flight. so I have. I'm sorry about the cup of tea, but no, I have, I have the suitcases there. This is what I wore on the plane. I'm, you know... <laughs> This is this is the reality on a Monday on a Monday afternoon. We need to send you uh, a WTF one mug next time you come on. There you go, so you can uh, get the, <laughs> the full branding. Um, so probably worth mentioning that this podcast is once again sponsored by Elgato, our season long partners, and making us sound almost like professionals with all this amazing equipment. Uh, so thank you uh, to those guys, and also we're joined by Team WTF one Live. So if you're like, hey, why is the podcast out on Tuesday? Well, look, join Team WTF one and you can watch it live. We've had some lovely little preamble with Alex giving us all kinds of stories hot off the press before we went live, which was brilliant to watch. Only for Team WTF one. Uh, so yeah, go to uh, the link in the description to join and get loads of other great benefits as well. Right, let's dive into Imola or the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix and some fan three-word race reviews. Wow, that's an interesting first name to try and pronounce. Yuen Kailam, Ferrari Painful Race. Bapak underscore Merza, Lewis got lapped. Bendit underscore Rosse, W for Red Bull. Oh, I love how they put Red Bull as one word. Not sure that quite Just passes the three-word. Three uh... <laughs> sneaky, clever. <laughs> it's very sneaky. And finally, Yamnezis, Max Verstappen Masterclass. Yeah, well, I'm sure we will definitely go into the Ferrari painful race. Uh, hopefully not too much. I'm looking do forward we... to that bit. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Katie? Do we have, uh, do we have somber music for you, Matt, <laughs> yeah. when describing the events just underneath? violin. Yeah, well, to be fair, we're going to dive into it very soon, so you won't have uh, long to wait. Of course, Lewis did get lapped, and that was uh, a big, strange moment, I think, for everybody watching. Uh, a W for Red Bull. Yeah, it, it certainly was a Max Verstappen masterclass. So, right, let's just get it out of the way, shall we? Because I feel like if we do, then I can just move on with my life. Um, my three-word race review was, is, mistakes cost championships. Quite self-explanatory, really, isn't it? Uh, Charles Leclerc, of course, was running third, had a difficult start off the line, and that allowed Perez and Norris through at the start. Uh, and you're thinking P3 is a, is a solid result. He's clearing the championship by quite some margin after only three races. Uh, he had a decent sprint race, of course, lost to Verstappen, but you only lose one point uh, if you finish second compared to first. Uh, and P3 would have been OK. Uh, but of course, he pushed too hard, took too much curb and away he went into the wall. Uh, now, it could have been a lot worse. I think as well is is very clear to see when he went into the wall. And I, I'd, I'd love to have seen what my face made as I saw him spinning like towards the wall. And I was like, his his left front's going to hit that wall. Is it going to be okay? I was convinced he was out of the race, but he was not. Thankfully, still scored some points. But these are the kind of mistakes that are unforced that he can't have over this very long season. Verstappen's almost within touching distance of a race win behind. And it's, it's game on again. The fans can stop saying, oh, championship's over. Ferrari have won it. 
No, no, they haven't. Yeah, I think it's very, very interesting, the reaction when, after Australia, when it was so big, you know, when it was so ridiculous. It was like, it's over, it's done. What are we going to do on Sundays now? He's won it. He's champion of the world. Um, such a long way to go. I think the one thing Ferrari could not afford to do in the race after that, when they had built such a sizable lead, is to bring back some of the uh, downsides from that team across the last few years. And uh, I think that across the last few years, the one thing people have chucked at Charles has been, he's got a mistake in it. You heard that all the time in the paddock. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He's, he's elite level driver, but he's got a mistake in him. The one thing you cannot then do is give the deltas a bit of ammunition because whilst you would, you know, well, you would hope that the drivers can shut it all out, people saying that, it, 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 it gets under your skin sometimes. So the error, yeah, uh, painful for him. I'll say this, though. He lost seven points from where he was going to finish. He dropped down. He was going to lose 10 to Max anyway. Then he lost seven points um, from where he's going to finish in third. If he learns from those lost seven points, I actually think if he goes right, okay, some days I'm just going to have to finish third. I think that he could actually, in the long run, off the back of that mistake, save more points in the championship. True, you can't learn from your mistakes if you don't make mistakes in the first place. So, yeah, it was, um, I feel like I had a bit of a commentator's curse myself, to be honest with you, with the whole Leclerc thing. Obviously, oh, what have you done? F1, F1 TV was on board with Leclerc when it happened. And you could see he was really, like, on a very fine line with how he was driving. And I said to my brother when I was watching it, I was like, I feel like something's going to happen here. Like this is <laughs> something. And then sure cool. enough, Appreciate lost it, it. So well, I'm really time. sorry. <laughs> next time, keep your Leclerc opinion to yourself. Uh... Yeah. At least I didn't tweet Stop it. At least I only said it in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, a costly uh, mistake in terms of this is what everybody's been talking about today. Um, but like you say, hopefully Leclerc will kind of learn from it. But yeah, it's... Uh, not ideal because it's sort of the first real mistake we've seen from Leclerc this year, at least. There was a, a bit of a moment before the safety car um, with the, in Australia, but yeah, this is the first time that he's really appeared to have crumbled under pressure, if you want to put it under that label. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't even probably put it as necessarily under pressure because of course he was the attacking driver and mm. I felt like he almost just got a little bit carried away and we've we've just seen quite a few spins from him this weekend uh, it's not like that was the first error that we've seen um but you make a very good point Alex you know he didn't actually lose a huge gargantuan amount of points compared to where uh, he finished but I guess he can look back at that and go well that could have easily been 15 points I put down the toilet rather than uh, whatever it was so yeah learnings to be made definitely does have mistakes in him which which obviously puts me on edge when i watch um but uh, that's where he can have to iron out if he wants to win against red bull because right now if red bull have fixed their reliability which you know maybe they're on a path to to fixing that with what we saw uh, this weekend then they're going to be on the on the back of ferrari very quickly especially if perez who had a great weekend uh, is going to be finishing second as well. Uh, that that points uh, haul is going to come in pretty quickly. Uh, next question, or first question, actually, at Vale underscore Cathali 19. How impactful would this result be for Ferrari, or will will this result be for Ferrari, with Carlos's second DNF and Leclerc's mistake? Carlos Sainz has had a mixture, hasn't he? He's had a, he's had a mixture of bad luck, his car not working or being put together at the last minute, and some mistakes. You, we can't 
you know, beat around the bush. Australia was definitely a mistake. Of course, Imola wasn't. He got hit by Ricardo and was quite unlucky there. Um, you know, with, with his mentality as well, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very painful. He's going to be a very angry man. I think he said last weekend after Australia with the difficulties he had that he'd need to go to sleep before he could stop being angry. Uh, maybe that's his you know, his coping method. I don't know. But um, it's going to be a bit of pressure to go into hibernation after these yeah. last two races. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it literally is. But it's going to be pressure for Ferrari because as much as they've got a great car, they could have had a lot more points, especially in the team's championship. And this is what was spoke about at the start of the season where Mercedes were saying, oh, we're not the fastest car. Some people believe them. And these are the moments that they have to take complete and utter advantage of and if they're not finishing with Carlos or they're making mistakes with the Claire these are crucial points that towards the end of the season we may look back on and go oh well you know we lost 25 here 10 here whatever so it's certainly not the end for Ferrari but you have to imagine the likes of Mercedes will come good eventually even though it seemed like they went backwards in Imola um, but not the ideal start for, our, for Ferrari, even though they lead both the drivers and teams championship, which is mad to say out loud. Yeah, I think had Red Bull not had the issues in um, Bahrain and obviously with Max in Australia, then it could be given slightly different context. But because Red Bull have had their problems and now Ferrari seem to have had their dramas um, in Imola, maybe it will kind of balance things out. But yeah, referring back to Carlos, obviously going into this weekend, he signed a chunky new contract uh, till 2024. And it seems that he's maybe going to be struck by contract bad luck, which we saw with Esteban Ocon last year as well, where he signed his contract and then had a series of really rubbish races. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting listening to how Carlos was in his body language, even after like the second place in Bahrain. And he was like, not happy with what I'm doing. You know, I should be the one in the lead. And then if you were to tell him, well, in Australia and Imola, you're going to retire from both of those races, one of them being your fault. Uh, be interesting to take his opinion on that then. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world for Ferrari. I'm sure going into the weekend, you know, they looked very promising in front of a home crowd, in front of the Defosi, you know, that's all kind of lining up for these great uh, inspirational storylines that could be taken from the weekend. And actually it just ended up being um, a bit of a... Disaster class. Nasty, yeah, it was not great. <laughs> Disaster class being used is never good, especially not at the circuit named for your founder. Um, I actually think there's a parallel with Carlos and Charles. Um, after the qualifying error on Friday, Matteo Bonotto said, Carlos Sainz has got to get used to, to being in a race-winning car. And I think you can develop that on uh, to Charles Leclerc has got to be used now to be in championship building mode. So in, the, in his entire Formula One career before Sunday's Grand Prix, all he was ever doing was trying to turn third into second. Well, if you're trying to be world champion, you, some days you've just got to, even though it goes against all racing driver instincts, you've just got to take the third place and move on and get out of there uh, with damage limitation and, and just enjoy the fact you've got this, this points buffer because, you know, without the uh, Red Bull unreliability, you would, have, you would have seen them, you know, leading the championship. So bad day for Ferrari. How they respond next is absolutely crucial. Probably not the best that it's a, a street track. We have a lot of street tracks. That's the thing. Imola is not one of them. So to make them the error uh, at a permanent facility, I don't know. I think they will both learn immediately. But for Carlos, the quicker he can get that maiden win, 
then I think he will belong. There seems to be a bit of a mental disconnect between, you know, he's, there's a little bit of angst, isn't there? He's speaking about like, oh, I'm so angry. You know, I had to go to sleep before I could get the anger out. He's desperate to join the, the club that his talent merits, which is the race winning club. And maybe we'll see it at Miami. Who knows? Um, but he definitely needs to get over that, that almost pushing a bit too hard, trying to impress too much because Charles is obviously kind of from last year as well. Maybe Carlos thought, hey, hold on. Hold on a second. This Charles Leclerc bloke is, is actually pretty average. Hold, hold on points, a minute. Am, tally. I, am I champion of the world? Am, <laughs> am I, I number gonna, one at a, Ferrari? <laughs> What's going on here? But that's the paddock thing as well in that, you know, it's very easy to believe if you're a driver, it's very easy to believe the hype. And he was on the podium far more than Charles last year. And yeah, there was some luck in there, but it's a tough team to join. He had a very good uh, season there. I mean, he just got plain unlucky on the first lap, didn't he? He just got plain unlucky. So move on. Miami's a good place to move on for Carlos. Yeah. And 19 races left. Plenty exactly. of time. Plenty of time. Uh, next question from Vettel Aport. Could Charles's issue with buckling under pressure when the going gets tough? love that song, ultimately cost him in this title fight. He's always seemed a tad prone to driving with desperation and pushing the limits too far when things aren't going perfectly smooth for him. We've kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, I think that, as you said, Alex, about championship building being, I guess what Max learned last year was that sometimes you just got to settle for P2. And I mean, Max's record is an absolute joke from the last like 35 races, despite, apart from... Hungary and, and where he's been impacted some in some way he's finished first or second in the last 35 races apart, as I say apart from a couple where it's, it went wrong uh, which is an unbelievable stat uh, so it, take that what you will uh, but it's certainly something that will help Max Verstappen continue to build with that consistency and not pushing too hard knowing where the limit is um, hopefully the limit isn't his car because uh, we definitely want to see that title fight rage on one thing I would like to add to that, though, is that if you ask your driver to push to possibly get a second place finish, like you should expect them to do that and do that without mistakes. It shouldn't be, oh, I don't know if we should ask Leclerc to sort of maybe catch up to Perez a bit in case he ends up binning it in the wall. Like there shouldn't have to be any hesitation there or like just willing to settle because this is a competition. This is a championship on the line. And these points are so important that you shouldn't have to worry about just settling for third you should be aiming for second and not <laughs> worrying that Leclerc's suddenly going to bin it at any moment so I don't know that's just my take on it but I, I take I, that <laughs> point but but I would say just generally in life it's very easy to do nothing sometimes just sitting down and letting the world go by finishing third and rolling into the next race with a huge lead is the best thing to do come on let's be honest all right just between us and everyone listening <laughs> when Ferrari tried a bit of strategy at the end was, I think everyone was like, oh, guys, are you sure? It's been going so well. Do you, do you really want to try anything here other than just bring it to the flag? Um, that was a little bit self-inflicted because Ferrari, understandably, took the approach of, well, we're not going to settle for, we're not going to settle for third in a home race. We're not going to do it. But equally, they then put Charles into the push. And yet, yeah, I don't think they... I think everyone was surprised by the type of error, but um, I have to say, just personally, I love a driver that wins it or bins it. I mean, mm. it's just, you know, it's why I used to love Mika Hackerman. He'd either beat Michael Schumacher or 
MLO99, stick it in the wall. And very similar thing with Charles. Charles is on another planet some days, and then some days there's a minor error. But yeah, he he knows. He doesn't need anyone telling him. He knows what he did. It's all right, Charles. I know you're listening to this podcast, definitely. (laughs) Um, But it was coming as well, that particular error. That was coming. Perez spoke about it in the cool down room, which I found absolutely fascinating. Just stick that on. No talking apart from the drivers in there for 20 minutes. I will just be there gawping the entire time. It was brilliant (laughs) to listen to. But he was saying he was losing three tenths in that chicane alone because Charles was sending it every single lap. And yeah, he had the confidence, but then he was going maybe 99%. And on one lap, he went 101%. And all of a sudden he's in the wall. Uh, and it is that risk and reward uh, that he certainly has to, to to work out. But now, I guess that the less safe he can be as Max continues to approach him in the title fight, because then as soon as they're level on points, he can't be like, oh, Max, carry on, mate. Yeah, I'll finish P2 every single race. Uh, yeah, Team also, WTF- also oh, Matt, just one last point on that. I think you can divorce all of his previous errors in Formula One from yesterday. He's been driving a Ferrari that's never quite been there. OK, it's always been inferior until Lakari's got this year. So it's a different type of mistake from like trying to magic a pole in Monaco out thin air when he's driving a substandard Ferrari. So it's not particularly true that he's ever a strewn driver because he's been wringing the neck of a substandard car for a long time. Yeah, interesting stuff. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realise that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, and overeating. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways, and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. WTF1 listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com WTF1. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Next question then. Team WTF1 member Michael underscore. Do you guys think everything's been blown way out of proportion? Lewis being lapped. Carlos's DNF that wasn't his fault, etc. We're four races into a season with brand new regs. Why is everyone acting like everybody who has one bad race is finished? <laughs> I don't know if Michael actually said it like that, but I wanted to speak like that. Um, well, I mean, analysis will always happen, Michael, I think. Uh, Lewis being lapped is obviously going to be a story. It doesn't matter if it's race one or race 23. Uh, of course, the whole Ferrari thing is the fact that they need to run away with this championship as much as they can at the start of this season. Uh, so Carlos DNFing and having a bad start to his season is certainly something that it's not, I don't think it's been blown out of proportion. I don't think anyone's saying Carlos Sainz is washed. I think it's more just the fact that he needs to needs to change his approach a little bit. Are you sure bit. about that on Twitter? People uh, certainly have no, that Twitter opinion. Twitter says everything. <laughs> Twitter say literally everything. So can, every you, can, single... you, can you imagine saying Carlos Sainz is washed and being serious? <laughs> <laughs> and just being serious about it. Like, just unbelievably talented. Where did he finish last year? Fifth? He's the fifth best driver in the world. Like, come on. Now it's washed. No. <laughs> Lewis being washed is certainly something that uh, Max fans have uh, jumped on a little bit. Um, because, of course, George Russell finished in a beautiful P4, it has to be said, in a non-beautiful Mercedes at the moment. Uh, and 
I think that Lewis Hamilton is still behind Pierre Gasly right now. Did you see him at the airport, Alex? Did you see if, uh, if he was still behind him there? But... It's really awkward, right? It was, it was like being asked to commentate on a breakup in a restaurant. You were like, we can all see it's going on, but you look at it once, you go, no way, they're breaking up. That's crazy. That's wild. All right. You don't just watch it. Like, I, I've never seen... Oh, we, we watched it so often and it was so painful. At one point in the commentary, I was like, can he get, you know what? Obviously, he's not going to get through. This is, oh. this is awful. Can we please look at something else? And then I, we did. I even tweeted and said, I, I could have, F1 could have played the same clip 25 times <laughs> and I would not have known the difference. Um, uh, but no, yeah. I, I think, again, you can't blow it out of proportion. Lewis is, of course, going to be quite down in the dumps. He's, you have to say, towards the end of his career, he is getting on, it has to be said, just purely from an age scientific observation uh, and this is a this is a big challenge for Lewis and it's something that I'm sure he can overcome but he is in a car that is not working at the moment uh, he has shown by winning in every single season he has been part of Formula One that he can overcome pretty much anything but does he have the mental determination the grit to really dig deep because that's what it needs right now you know I'm not saying he does or he doesn't but it's a question that's certainly being asked I don't think well you know whoever the other fans that aren't Lewis Hamilton fans aren't I hope not being serious about the fact George Russell is a better driver than Lewis Hamilton because when you actually analyze the races that went on George was slower in Bahrain Lewis was quicker in Australia I think it was was it Australia that he finished yeah ahead? he got unlucky in the timing of the he got, yeah. but he got uh, unlucky in the timing of the safety car generally when you look at the season Lewis is not getting spanked by George Russell George is doing a great job but Lewis is not finished by any stretch so there are <laughs> I I'm, think I'm glad we've confirmed that I can I confirm was... <laughs> right here anybody wondering his seven world titles definitely still are worthy uh but no I think at Michael underscore to answer your question you've been looking at Twitter too much just 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 get off it <laughs> just just leave <laughs> yeah i think the things that were highlighted i think are important within the context of the race but yeah i don't think this should be an ongoing theme of like oh carlos dnf in two races in a row you know he's it's over for him all this kind of stuff um but yeah i i guess but twitter and social media love to just sen- centralize everything so yeah <laughs> like you say maybe Spend a little less time on social media. Do wonders for your mental health. I would love That's to. just a good rule in life, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's just a, just very, good life advice. Not only F1 chat, but, you know, life advice that you can take into day-to-day existence. Um, it is a little bit intense, isn't it? It is. It feels like the intensity went right up last year and now everyone's addicted to the chaos. It does feel that way uh, sometimes, but long season. I used to have a rule that you don't really look at who's in the lead of the championship until you get out of Singapore because, you know, we've seen Vettel comebacks in the past. And yeah, if someone has a bad month, then I think you can start saying, well, what's going on here? But uh, but no, one bad race. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. That's uh, that's a good quote. It's like the meme, and then everything is actually on fire. Oh yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, Everything is fine. Katie, what's your three-word race review? Mine is where is DRS? Because it took over halfway into the Grand Prix for DRS to be enabled, and certain commentary teams not including present company, but um, who I listened to for, to watch the race live, they were like a petulant child being like, where's the arrest? Wait, start, where they, is it? Hold on, do they show the race live? What? I know, it's <laughs> like really crazy. 
Um, but they just seemed obsessed by where's DRS? We need it right now, blah, 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 blah. Like, and not really paying attention to the other great things that was happening during the race without the need of DRS. I think Matt and I might have slightly differing opinions to the fact that it should have been introduced earlier or whether it was fine when it was introduced and even drivers were split on it. Um, but for me, I wasn't too upset the fact that we didn't have DRS. I think it probably could have been quite a nice case study for the FIA. I'm sure they did it for safety reasons because the track, it, although it might have looked like it had dried up and obviously people went on to dry tires and things. Um, I think there was still a little bit of hesitation around it because obviously um, we saw what happened last year with the damn track and a bit of speedy DRS being applied. So speedy uh, DRS, but, not just DRS, speedy DRS. Speedy That's DRS. a different button on like the steering wheel that is. There, this is the technical insight you get when you <laughs> listen to us. Um, but yeah, I was quite happy just to go without DRS for a bit because even once it was enabled, did it make a huge deal of difference? Mm, I personally don't think so. I think it was the timing of it as well a little bit, uh, the, the DRS being enabled. And of course, I was shouting, where is DRS when uh, Perez decided to take a trip across the chicane and Leclerc was right behind him and uh, was within <laughs> DRS and it, it didn't happen. There was a couple. I think Hamilton rocked up to the back of Gasly uh, before Albon decided to be the conductor of that little three-man train uh, where Hamilton would have got DRS and overtaken Gasly. So there were, I think, a few moments where we were robbed of a little bit of entertainment. But I am by no means saying, I think I said it in the video that we put out as well, that it wouldn't have changed the complexion of the race by any stretch. Um, it's weird to think that the sprint was... It was almost like it was done on a completely different track. Like it, it, They, they yeah. were worlds apart in terms of entertainment and uh, the overtakes. Maybe that was because there was one dry line. Um, and I can understand why they left it. I think it was more just frustration from a fan's perspective. You're watching it. You've seen races in the past where they've activated DRS when they're still on inters. So there, yeah. there is that kind of difference there. And, and maybe, you know, they're going down this route of, right, well, look what happened to Russell and Bottas, even though Russell, the reason he crashed was because he dipped a wheel on the grass rather than it actually being on the wet. Well, it was wet, but it was the grass. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I can understand why they, you know, safety always comes before uh, anything else. Uh, but I feel like, you know, it, maybe it could have been activated a little bit sooner. But hey, Seb Vettel came out and said that it was about right. And as you said, Katie, that it was split. You know, Seb was saying one side was, can you remember if any of the drivers that were saying positively? Ricardo said he wanted it or, or beforehand. Um, and so did Albon and that lot. So Albon, yeah, Danny, Albon did. Danny Rick wanted it on lap two, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can understand the caution with it. I can. Again, like look beyond whether I think most of the time you would say it could have been introduced a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't, you know, with a drying line, I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference. But you can understand the caution from a race director that only has the job because there was carnage last year really? in race control. <laughs> so if you've just if you've got the job because the last guy got fired, you're probably <laughs> going to wait 10 minutes Every time it's a 50-50, I think he's always going to err on the side of caution. That's just how it's going to be, I think, for the first six months of the season. Fair. But then after six months, chaos. Okay, cool. And he's like, right, <laughs> yeah. here we go. Oh, Abby Dabby. Wait for Abby Dabby, yeah. Chaos. <laughs> 
press the chaos button. Uh, I apologise at- for mentioning Abu Dhabi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back to my coffee. Don't yes. worry, we'll, we'll mute you for when you actually said that for the uh, for the yeah. podcast. Uh, at Russ Flynn underscore, did they start to allow DRS too late? Okay, we've already covered that. At Race Day Takeaway asks, since DRS didn't seem to make much of a difference to overtaking around Imola, should we have a few other races this season where DRS is deactivated to see what difference it makes with the new cars and whether it needs and whether it's needed going forward i think that imola was probably i know it was difficult for them to overtake but that was the nature of the characteristics of imola as well you know there is one massively obvious overtaking spot and that's about it um which by the way i didn't enjoy the camera angle into turn two it was never very obvious as to whether or not there was a move actually happening with the way like the angle i was like oh no it always gonna happen and then well the whip sweeping yeah the sweeping into turn two i'm sure you know as a commentator maybe that was a little bit difficult to judge but um yeah i i i think if anything imla proved that we do need drs on these cars uh, for overtaking i know it may well be a little bit easier around other tracks where overtaking and it's wide uh, overtaking is easier and it's wider uh, and there's more opportunities for for a dive bomb because again like turn two isn't the hardest of braking zones that can allow for an outbreaking maneuver otherwise we probably would have seen lewis try something um so i think we still need drs personally um but and then if we just have random trial races where we turn off drs how's that gonna how's that gonna go down i don't think particularly well who knows take them out a hat just saw a little yeah. Um, bingo balls, whatever they're called. Yeah, put those in. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what like they're a called. Champions League draw or something. Yeah, uh, we've not got it for this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I did, like I said earlier, I found it quite interesting not having DRS, and I was pleasantly surprised at the battles that we had. Maybe that's because people were coming through with faster cars because the qualifying and the sprint had sort of left some people maybe out of pace a bit. Uh, ones that come to mind like Russell and Magnussen was a great watch. Um, but yeah, in terms of just picking random circuits where they're like, nah, I'm not going to bother with DRS. I don't know how successful that would be, especially Monica. as we've ah. like, yeah, oh, fixed it. Um, but yeah, seeing as in Australia, we arrived there thinking that there were going to be four DRS zones, which is like record breaking. So it might be a bit much to go from the most DRS zones we've ever seen to we're actually not even going to use at this race. Um, but is certainly interesting because these new cars have obviously been designed to aid with overtaking. Um, and there's been lots of talk of whether DRS should be binned off anyway, especially with all like the DRS chicken games in Saudi. So it could make Bring for an interesting Yeah. Lovely old yeah. school reference, Matthew. Yeah. Hey, a bit of curse. Um, <laughs> no, we we st- we st- we definitely still need DRS. Uh, I mean, I get that it was a bit Tour de France at the end, waiting in Saudi. Like, I get that, waiting for the final sprint. I love that. I love the tactics of that. Um, and we're so we're so collectively greedy, aren't we? It's like the cars haven't been able to follow basically ever, and there was like they can follow now, and we're like, right, DRS next. <laughs> Get rid of that and it's like we're we always want a change um but no we need it for maybe in the future when the regs maybe get even better in terms of following but for the moment we definitely need it we do indeed uh, i'm yeah, DR, i don't know why drs is seen as this like thing that isn't supposed to be in formula one maybe there are some people out there that think it's a gimmick but we do need something uh, still at the moment for sure uh Tommy's three word rich review now. Uh, sorry, Alex, didn't ask for yours, uh, but we've got Tommy's instead. Uh, Mercedes title over. Wow. Okay. Good evening. 
didn't expect to read that one. Have got no explanation as to why he said that, but we thought oh, we'd include him anyway. Have some context. Oh, okay. You get the context. Of course, Tommy isn't here at the moment because he's had uh, a baby. Uh, congratulations to, to Tommy, of course. Little Grace. Um, and uh, he'll be back. Uh, to be fair, he's still watching Formula One. He's still tweeting about it. It's not like he's really having a break he's from it at all. He's basically not having any time off at all. <laughs> yeah, no, and, he, and he did point out, uh, thanks to him for doing this, because um, he took it to a wider audience that I had the worst <laughs> commentator's yeah. curse oh, of yeah. my life mm. uh, when I was describing that uh, Roy Nisani, F2 driver, was going to win if nothing went wrong. And I just completed the sentence and taken a breath and he put it in the wall. So sorry to Roy and thanks for that, Tommy. And congratulations on the birth of Grace. <laughs> I love how you wrapped so, your like, congratulations end, yeah. in, in anger. That's I lovely. am pleased, but you know, <laughs> really, he threw me under the bus. Yeah. I hope she wakes up at night. That's what you said. <laughs> uh, are you going to say something, Katie? You got some context for us? Tommy just said, you can say that even me as the biggest Merck cynic thinks that they won't have a chance at the title now. And that I'm sorry for the jinx in oh, advance oh, of Mercedes okay. champions. Like, <laughs> Tommy's not here, so I'm going to use this perfect opportunity to roast him without him having any sort of retort. Um, four races, Tommy. Really? Four races and you're already writing them off. You're, you're worse than F1 Twitter, you are, Tommy. Uh, love you long time, by the way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not properly going in. But, uh, interesting how he, he predicted Mercedes P1. Uh, at the start of the season. And uh, after four races, he's written them off, despite them not being... I mean, if they fix it and they go on a winning streak, I'm, I'm, welcome, I'm welcoming them, probably not with loving arms because they've won the last eight, back into the, t- uh, the championship fight. Uh, so I disagree. It's not over until halfway in the season and they're 250 points behind. That's when I write them off. Wow. What do you wow. think, Alex? Um... I think they're flummoxed by it. I think the drivers are bruised and battered by the problem. I think, Tom, right now, it would have to be... a The person who would find the answer would be given the bonus of their life. Like, have 10 years' salary at once if you can work this out. Um, Because it's draining morale and they can't figure it out by July, they're just going to start looking to next year. They're just going to start completely reallocating resources, which is such a big thing under the budget cap. How you use your your talent and your personnel back uh, at the various the various three places that they they, they put that car together. So yeah, the, the clock is ticking. Um, I I kind of agree with Tommy to be honest. I think their chances are done. I think it's just too fundamental a flaw. God, I can't wait. I mean, I said I can't wait for Mercedes to make it nine titles in a row, uh, teams. But <laughs> be the just, greatest just to clip these up and then just... If, yeah, it'd be the greatest <laughs> comeback in the hit. I mean, it'd be ridiculous if they were able to... Yeah, I mean, they believe that the concept they've got is faster than Red Bull's and Ferrari's. The problem is that they've basically not got a... Much like McLaren at pre-season testing, they don't even have the foundation to find out at the moment. This is exactly it, you know, talking about this problem, but it's very still elusive and unknown what the problem actually is. So you can't bring upgrades and updates to a car when you don't know what the problem is in the first place. And yeah, it is very strange to see Mercedes struggle as much as they are. Um, And obviously Lewis Hamilton, he's a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve. So when he's doing really well, you know, he radiates that and he's always got a you know, big grin on his face and a pep in his step. Um, but then when things don't go 
very well, then he really does put his emotions out there. And, you know, he's basically saying that he's written this year off. He's never going to be champion. Um, we heard Toto Wolf apologizing to Lewis yesterday after the race, um, saying, you know, we're really sorry for giving you this undrivable car. Um, and yeah, I think as we kind of alluded to earlier with Russell yesterday, for example, he got lucky in the sense that he was on the better side of the grid. So he was able to make up a ton of places at the start, whereas Hamilton kind of got a bit bogged down and everything. Uh, but still it's, um, I'm sure there are plenty of people are absolutely thriving off Lewis having these struggles, but as a fan of the championship, you know, we just want to see as many teams and drivers up at the front fighting for victories um, rather than seeing people that we know have phenomenal potential sort of just getting stuck down in 13th. That's not what us F1 fans want, unless you're Matt and you want Leclerc to breathe hey, no, and win uh, everything. I don't, I don't want Hamilton to be 13th. No one wants that. When you're, yeah. when you, Well, to be fair, we saw a lot of Hamilton doing not much getting past Gasly uh, for, for that race. But but the other races, you know, you don't see much of, of Lewis and you want to see him coming through and you expected, you know, with the changeable conditions as well, that he would he would thrive. But the, the machinery just, just was not allowing him uh, to do that. Uh, Team WTF1 member Fudd Dud asks, Russell is competitive for best of the rest, while Hamilton has had two good races and two dreadful races. Does Hamilton actually have a worse car than Russell or is there a problem with Hamilton's driving? Well, uh, obviously, I've had many a Formula One race under my belt, so I uh, <laughs> you've I, driven um, an F one car. So that's hey, something. stop it, Casey! I didn't pay you for that one. Um, slowly, oh, oh, you know. oh! Please don't mention that. Oh no! <laughs> we, oh, do I have to tell the story? Alex, have you seen yeah. the sheet? It says you have to say it in about half an hour. Yeah, it's in the contract, mate. <laughs> um, but no, it's, 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 it's. I don't think it's anything to do with Hamilton's driving uh, as such. I think George Russell, as we've said, has had a great start to the season. He's utilised the the opportunities that he's had. Uh, we, we've already seen Lewis has had some bad luck uh, for the, the results that he's got. Um, that's not to say that he needs to do a bit better. Like in qualifying, he needs to be doing a bit better than uh, than Russell at least. Uh, but Russell's out-qualified him, uh, especially in Imola. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I don't think you can really say that Hamilton is finished after four races. We've already touched on that already. Um, it's just it's just luck of the draw at the moment. Yeah, that Mercedes is clearly not very fast in a straight line either. Whatever they're trying to do with fixing it, they couldn't even get past Gasly when he was tucked into his rear diffuser coming out of the final corner. I know he also had DRS on, on Albon, but there is an element of slipstream there. I know it's weaker uh, this year than, than before, but I think George has just had a great start. Lewis will come back, I am sure. His experience will tell. Uh, and that's all you can really say on it. Yeah, I, I agree that um, I agree with Russell. I think he's been incredibly consistent. I mean, always in the top five is outstanding. Not what he really, not what he joined the team to do, but he's making the best of a bad situation. But the key differences between the driving, we don't know. The car is so fundamentally flawed at the moment that we have no idea whether Russell's, you know, hammering into him. They're, they're, they're not even, they're not driving a proper Mercedes, are they? They're driving a compromised Mercedes. And until that's figured out, we won't really be able to tell who's extracting the most from the car. Nice, totally. Exactly, like true point. Uh, some people suggesting that maybe because Hamilton's had these years of driving a very good Mercedes, that he's kind of gotten into a rhythm of driving a car that's 
pretty much flawless. Whereas Russell maybe has come from Williams and, you know, maybe it's not been exactly the best car in the world. Uh, and so he's learning got experience how to... of driving terrible cars and he's like, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, so this is my time. They, this what, people are genuinely speculating as being a contributing um, factor. But yeah, I think it's uh, maybe a mix of driving style but I mean you can't sit here and seriously say oh yeah it's definitely Hamilton's driving like he's not won seven world championships on a fluke like the guy can drive um and you know he's had difficult cars throughout his career obviously the last few in Mercedes you can't sit there and say oh probably a bit of a challenge to drive because they seem to have had amazing reliability and been a joy um but yeah Hamilton has had tricky cars in the past so and he's managed to overcome that. So I think it's just a case of the Mercedes being a bit, um, what can I say that's not rude? Um, <laughs> attractor. <laughs> wow, that's not, you went for not rude and then <laughs> attractor. What was the rude version? <laughs> what was the insulting version? We'll save that for Team WTF1. Yeah, yeah we'll save that at the end of the podcast. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, Hamilton, as I said earlier, has won in every single era of Formula One cast. So he, he has that adaptability in his driving style. But we can also say Russell being a young whippersnapper, I'm not trying to be like patronising, but he is young. Off you go, old man Hamilton. <laughs> younger people will, will um, adjust to differences and changes, especially in this kind of scenario, quicker. So maybe George Russell has just got a handle of this car a little bit better than Hamilton at the moment, because you don't tend to, I, I was not expecting George Russell to be out qualifying and beating Hamilton uh, in races so early in the season, but he has. So you have to look into maybe uh, the reasons behind it. Uh, next question at Cambridge Kisby five. What, if any, are the key differences between Hamilton and Russell's performances? Uh, well, I mean, the, the positions, uh, that's 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 a start. The number uh, of points they're getting. <laughs> but no, Russell had a, an epic first lap. To be fair to him, he utilised that incredibly well. Got up to P six, I think it was, uh, at the beginning of the race, and that just set up his race from there on in. You know, he clearly had the pace to not only stay there, but he was in a bit of a league of his own in that particular part of the sort of top of the midfield. Uh, so it clearly just needed him to have that fresh air to be able to clean air, fresh air is a bit weird, clean air, uh, and, and just to drive his own race. Whereas Hamilton was always hindered by someone in front of him and he could not make those moves either. So uh, that's probably the difference uh, for, for Imola, at least. Yeah, um, for Imola, I, I, Imola is such an outlier. We've got so many street tracks at the start of the year and then Bahrain is a strange surface to start things off. Um, Equally, what's the difference in their performances? They're at different stages of their career. You would forgive Lewis Hamilton if he was 1% down on motivation going, I'm not going to risk an image of it's all come wrong. It's all gone wrong for Hamilton and he rips a front wheel off trying to go past for 12th, for goodness sake. So I think the difference in the performances is that this is the best version that George Russell's ever had in Formula One. And Hamilton is just biding his time until he's got the race winning machinery again. So the, the difference of approach is, is probably, you know, 1% of motivation, I would say at the moment. Yeah, that, I haven't really got much more to add than what you both have said. So. Other than Mercedes tractor. Cool. No. Uh, <laughs> the vault monkey. Will Mercedes win a race this year? Yes. I would say yes, if I was... Asked this, which I was. <laughs> you have been asked this. Yeah, you are, you're on the Help podcast. podcast work, Katie, come on. <laughs> Alex? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that 
there'll be kingmakers as well. I think they'll be winning races at the end of the year um, when everyone else is having to be cautious for the championship. So I think they're going to have a big role to play on who gets the trophy, even if it won't be them. Mm, spicy. <laughs> a spicy, uh, spicy end to the season. Uh, let's talk about the midfield a little bit. Uh, at Christie zero zero two two five eight zero one asks, who is the third best team right now on quali pace? You would say Haas or McLaren, even Alpine with Alonso P five on race pace, McLaren and Mercedes, maybe even Alfa Romeo. And who's going to be third fastest by the end of the year? Well, Christy, you've asked a lot of questions there. <laughs> um, who is the third best team? It's difficult to say. Because the, the, it was a changeable condition uh, weekend that we had at Imola and, and Haas excelled in, in those changeable conditions in qualifying, but then they fell away uh, in, in the race. McLaren was strong. Lando was incredibly strong. I can't believe I'm saying that McLaren are strong after what we watched in Bahrain, which was like they were in a Formula 2 car. Uh, so for me, I would probably say the McLaren, uh, because I think if Daniel Ricciardo hadn't had his problems at the start, he would have been probably P4 at the end of the race and they would have had a very strong result. So I think McLaren certainly look like the third fastest car and Mercedes not too far behind, but it seems like it's a very difficult operating window for that Mercedes to get into, as we saw with uh, with Hamilton's result. Yeah, I'd uh, probably go for... Put who, uh, who's going to ask that next, did we? Uh, go I'll on, Alex. In. I'll jump in rudely. Sorry, Katie. Um, no, no, go for it. I'd go for one lap pace, probably Alpine across the opening four races is the third fastest car. And I'd say on race pace, it's it's uh, Mercedes, even though it's doing what it's doing. Yeah, I think... I'm just going to be boring and go with McLaren, which, like you say, does seem like a crazy thing to suggest. But just generally with what we've seen over, the, let's say, the last two races, I will discount uh, Saudi and Bahrain, but um, they seem to have the most consistent, better performances when their drivers aren't punting people off and putting them in gravel traps. <laughs> We will probably we'll see it. We'll have a better <laughs> indication uh, for McLaren's pace, I think, in Miami, where you would imagine it's going to be dry, and we'll see where they where they uh, stack up then, uh, rather than these crazy races. Oh, I say crazy races, not exactly crazy in Imola, but changeable conditions. Uh, let's talk about Imola as a track now. And uh, this was actually part of my prediction around the suitability of Formula One, and I said loads of people saying it's not suitable uh, for Formula One uh, at Wesman four four four. Uh, asks after racing at two circuits that feature gravel traps, do you think they are better than tracks with tarmac runoff? As a science fan, I hate gravel. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your answer, Wes. Uh, I much prefer tracks with gravel traps because it punishes mistakes. And I know that you feel very similar to that, Katie. I, I love tracks that punish mistakes, but I also don't love narrow tracks. So I'd like a wide track that punishes mistakes so we can see overtakes, but also people getting... Um, yeah, into trouble if they if they go off the track. I don't enjoy tarmac runoff uh, circuits because you just oh oh no sorry I've just gone four meters wide I'll just carry on. Um, let me think Russia, uh, but yeah that things like yeah. that you just you just get away with it and it, it does it it just takes away a little bit of the suspense uh, for me. I really like the Imola track in the way that yeah it punishes mistakes. I said this last year. If I was even on the podcast in 2020, I probably would have said it then. Um, but yeah, I think that Imola is one of the better circuits for that. Um, and we've seen it consistently over the three years since Formula One went back there. Um, but yeah, I'd much rather have gravel. Obviously, sometimes gravel isn't great 
Australia, and I'm just thinking of Fernando Alonso and Esteban Gutierrez's accident where the gravel was extremely dangerous and caused a huge, um, well, Alonso's car to flip. So uh, in the right places, I think it's great. Um, and I'd much rather thinking of examples on last year, like Brazil, when we had Hamilton versus Verstappen and they were able to take that massive wide line off the track. Like imagine if that had been gravel, Imagine the drama. It would have been crazy. It's like Austria, isn't it? Like the, uh, Where we saw Norris and Perez come together and yeah. you know, just pushing each other off into the gravel bed. That had such bigger connotations yeah. uh, for their race. Yeah, I, I, gravel in some parts is terrific. Um, the Ferrari fans don't agree because they, you know, they paid good money to go through the gates yesterday and they, they only saw one out there. But no, gravel is, gravel is always the way forward because you do want to see... Uh, we touched on it earlier. You want to see the best drivers in the world doing the best performance. And if you're being bailed out by going wide four meters or, or you're constantly allowed to go wide at a corner, then that's not the best driving in the world. And gravel ensures that we see some good stuff. Uh, um, so, yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that it's uh, also a mixture is not the worst thing in the world, is it? Yeah, a little bit of. A little bit of runoff, a little bit of gravel, sprinkling. Love it. Uh, at Ruiz S. Fidalgo uh, has a question. Should Imola be scrapped? And why is the answer yes? <laughs> Jeez, savage. Wow. Someone uh, had I'd... a bad weekend. Yeah, yeah. Also a, a Ferrari fan, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think Imola should be scrapped. Uh, it's got a huge amount of history. I think it's proved that it is. it can be very entertaining. The sprint race was brilliant. Um, I think that if anything, the changeable conditions that we had made us have a worse race than if it had just been bone dry uh, and we would have yep. seen a lot more overtaking. Uh, that whole dry line shenanigan with it being a narrow track as well just means that it's single file a lot of the time. So despite our expectations going through the roof when we saw rain, it in fact was terrible uh, for the spectacle. So no, I don't think Imola should be scrapped. I think with these new 2022 cars, Imola becomes more viable with the fact that they can they can follow closer. Uh, and I think the sprint race proves that. Yeah, you've got to you've got to keep Imola. Also, the advantage with Imola is that, say Bahrain International, you get 70 overtakes every time we go there. That's the charm of it. The thing about Imola is some of the best races we've ever seen around there have been all about the defense, which is also a very worthwhile skill. So it's just a different challenge. Um, and you just can't have every track with slam dunk overtakes because then the value of the overtake gets diminished. So, uh, no, I like it. You get some good defensive driving in Imola, as George Russell showed us yesterday. Uh, so I'm keeping it. I'm voting keep it. And you like the carbonara. Yes, Katie. And I like the carbonara too. Much. Yeah. <laughs> the food is the only reason I want to keep it on the calendar. Uh, no, I think, yeah, Imola delivers different... Um, what am I trying to say here? Like it provides different challenges to maybe what we see in other circuits and locations. Uh, and I think keeping it till 25 or to 2025 is the right call for the moment. I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see if Imola can sort of bargain a longer deal than that, because obviously we've seen other circuits on around the world that are desperate to get their shot on the F1 calendar. And we kind of only went back to Imola as it was uh, a solution during the pandemic. So um, let's give it another two, no, three years, <laughs> quick maths. Um, see how we get on. And um, yeah, if your next three races are a bore fest, then maybe it's time to reconsider, but hopefully they won't be. 
It is uh, Stefano Domenicali's hometown. So <laughs> yes. no good, luck telling the, good luck telling the CEO he's losing his home race. <laughs> That's very it's true. Stayed. Didn't think about that. Didn't think about that. ABCDF one time now. And uh, we have, in fact, got Tommy's grade. So, Alex, wait, you're just going to be the overarching lord here. You, you'll kind of give your, ah, that's brilliant or that's terrible. That's about it, really. Uh, but we've got grades uh, for, for everyone. So let's start with Lewis Hamilton's. I am going to give him a D. Yeah, I think it's going to have to be a D. Uh, Tommy also gave Hamilton a D. The fans collectively gave Hamilton a D. Alex, do you? What do you think of that? I, To be honest, I'd upgrade him because he deserves credit for not parking the car. It's Lewis Hamilton, for goodness sake. <laughs> okay. I love that. This is brilliant. This is a great additional part of ABCDF1. Everyone's going to want this co to continue. Uh, okay, so Hamilton gets a D. Uh, George Russell, uh, A. I think he, he deserves an A. Yeah, I think an A is a good grade for Russell. Tommy gives Russell an A, and the fans gave him an A. So it's all agreeing at the moment. Alex, over to you. Yeah, he's physically getting beaten up by his car. He, that was outstanding. He deserves oh, yeah, it. He actually, maybe, maybe he was in vertical training or something, wasn't he? With to, to get used to the bouncing. Like, how do you? How do you even? What do you do? Like a, one of those little like squats, elastic bounce thingies, or I don't. Know. Anyway, <laughs> um, Max Verstappen, A star, easy, easy peasy. Yeah, A star, absolute masterclass from him. Um, people were saying because he had the like Grand Slam or Grand Chelem, like is it now the grandest slam? Because we've also got qualifying, sprint, fastest lap, and race win. Like, what's the next level? Yeah, but I suppose it wouldn't have been the grandest of Grand Slams because he didn't lead every lap in the sprint. So, where oh, what a fraud. No, if we're getting technical here, it, it kept what a fraud. F1 Twitter, <laughs> is that you? Um, <laughs> Good to have you. Uh, but uh, yeah, A star for Verstappen. The fans gave yeah. him an A star. Tommy gave him an A star. Alex, it was a faultless performance, wasn't it? Yeah, he could have got out, had a cup of tea, got back in, still won. He was in another <laughs> league. Uh, now on to his teammate, Sergio Perez. I thought he had a, a decent weekend, did Sergio? I'm going to give him an A. Is this just Perez bias? I kind of want to give him an uh, no, I'll give him an A because he's be better in quality. Mm, I was because I was like, he's just did it's the first Rebel one two since Malaysia 2016. Like that's quite an achievement. Um, but yeah, I think it's a very high A if that's any high A, but it any, doesn't change the grade. Uh, <laughs> no. Tommy also gave Perez an A. The fans gave Perez an A. Oh my, we are agreeing for the first four. Love it, Alex. Do you think that's fair? I think it is fair. Uh, massive advantage for Red Bull is he enjoys being a number two driver. He's got no qualms about it. He's loving life. He turns up, he stands on the podium. He's happy with his role in that team. He knows he's going to win a couple of races a year. Happy as Larry, isn't he? Yeah, it's not, not the worst job in the world, is it? Uh, Charles Leclerc. Now we're getting to mm. difficult grading territory. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, I'm going to give him... Mm, or uh, a, a C. Mm. It's it was a costly mistake, but it wasn't like he put like slammed it into the wall, broke his suspension, or put himself into the gravel. Like he was able to recover it, and up until that point, he got mugged off because he was on the kind of the wrong side of the grid at the start, so fell back positions, kind of almost through no fault of his own. Um, I'm tempted to give a low B, but I think that's going to be overall. I love how you've brought 
the uh, the low and highs into this now, Katie. You I know, know, you, know that's what, you know that's one of the, the rules of ABCDF1. There is no low or high. You have to, you have to go. Uh, so you've gone for a B. Okay, Tommy's gone for a C. The fans have gone for a C. Alex, are we being harsh or...? No, I think you've been generous. He's he, he spun off from third place, and if he loses that championship by seven points, he'll kick himself for about a decade. Um, yeah, like we said, if he learns from it, it's fine. If he doesn't learn from it, oh, dearie me. Yeah, I think that C, some of that is encompassing his luck, because if he hadn't driven out of that wall, he definitely would not be receiving a C. Oh, no. But alas, he I might uh, almost managed go for to... overall weekend as well, because yeah. I don't follow the rules. Yeah, yeah. free practice <laughs> one. He was amazing. Um, Carlos Sainz, uh, very difficult to grade. Uh, he'd had a bad qualifying, obviously came through the, the sprint to finish fourth, then just got hit by Ricardo. So I'm just going to go flat out down the middle C, because I can't really give him anything, more or less. Yeah, see, but he also shouldn't have been in that position anyway. He should have been higher up the grid, so. Love that. See, but here's some sass. That's basically yeah. what that was. <laughs> Love that. Uh, Tommy gave Carlos Sainz a C, uh, and uh, the fans also give, uh, gave Carlos Sainz a C. Is it a C, Alex? Is that? Yeah, that's about right. That's about, about right. right. He needs to stop the qualifying errors, though. Otherwise, that's going to be a problem. Mm. Agreed. Because there were a lot last year as well. Yeah, there was. There certainly was. Next up. Lando Norris, and it's got to have to be an A star. Yeah, I think that's fair grade. Uh, Tommy also gave Lando an A star. The fans gave Lando an A star. We're agreeing <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Alex, it was, I mean, what more could he have wanted? Absolutely exceptional. If you consider, where was he at the start of the 15th on merit? I mean, fourth race, he's third. That was and all done through extraordinary performance on Friday qualifying, sensible driving, no right to be third in that car at the end of a Grand Prix. Outstanding. You got to say now, Lando's certainly in the in the, the conversation now with the Leclerc's, the Verstappen's. I, I obviously he has to win a race in order to fully get the key to open the door. But you know, he is to have that performance and that skill in the changeable conditions is something that not every driver has. Uh, and I think Lando has, has shown that he is uh, going to be a race winner at some point soon, maybe this year, who knows? Uh, Daniel Ricciardo race completely undone through. I feel sympathy for him because it was the smallest of errors, um, but it did go in a little bit too hot into turn two lap one ruined his race, took Carlos completely out. D. A D, it is. Uh, Tommy gave Daniel Ricciardo a D. The fans gave Daniel Ricciardo a the D, a D. Uh, Alex, what do you think? <laughs> they did what? Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, he needs to sort qualifying out to add something different. I mean, he's just, what is it? Last time he out-qualified Lando was Mexico. Uh, if he doesn't do that, it just, yeah, just... It's it's tough for him. You can tell this guy's Channel Four commentator. He's got all those stats locked yeah, in. When did you When it. did you say that this weekend? You must have You must have said it. No, because oh. he because he oh, basically locked in. He, he ruined his race, didn't he? On lap one, so we barely saw him. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, Fernando Alonso. I mean, he got very unlucky with Mick Schumacher, who had a decent start. Old Mick. We'll get on to him. Uh, but then his left rear just Not smashing so decent the when he smacks dog. into Alonso. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, yeah, it was decent. 
Um, but then his side pod exploded. A shame because I, I love seeing Fernando in those kind of conditions. Love to see him get aggressive. Oh, I just love watching him race, to be honest. Uh, but not really much you could do. So going to go with the C. Yeah, a bit of an unfortunate one that kind of see him beginning to topple down the time sheets or the uh, timing screen and thinking mm, something's probably not right there. And yeah, clearly the BWT sponsor just like I don't want to be on this car because this has happened to Esteban Even now for a slightly different reason. Yeah, it's just like now nah, I'm backing out. See you later, guys. Uh, but yeah, really unfortunate for him um, because there was so much promise there. I mean, top five in quality that was such a performance that I feel like wasn't hyped up enough, but. Um, yeah, it kind of just all fell apart over the weekend, which is a great shame. Yeah, controversial decision to make the side pods out of cling film, but it's, it's not paying <laughs> off at the moment, is it? Um, yeah, the poor old Fernando. Like, Fernando Alonso on form. It's one of the best things to watch in Formula One. So hopefully really we is. get him uh, coming out of nowhere uh, later in the year. Uh, Tommy gave Fernando a C and the fans gave him a C because not much more we could really do there. Uh, Esteban Ocon, he ended up 14th, had a stinker in qualifying, didn't he? Uh, and generally speaking, it was quite quite a, quite a bad performance overall. I'm going to give him a D. Um, I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt because I think there were quite a lot of issues with his car at the start of the weekend. Um, but yeah, just a pretty anonymous drive from him, to be honest, all weekend um, and brings an end to his, well, him and Hamilton have now brought an end to the stat that was only four drivers had four drivers had scored points in every race this year. And now they finish out the points. So it's only the uh, Leclerc and, and Russell. Russell. Yeah. So wow. crazy. But um, there we go. You can use that on channel four if you want, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Fairman comes in with. Uh, uh, Tommy gave Ocon a D uh, and the fans gave Ocon a C. Uh, so Ocon gets a D from us. Uh, Alex, how did you how did you find Ocon's performance? He's a nice chap. What's that? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Love to see the balancing. Love it. Um, <laughs> next up, Pierre Gasly. The, uh, well just kept a seven imagine telling pierre gasly at the end of 2021 imola right you're going to keep hamilton behind for the entire race it's going to be you know he's going to get very close but you're going to you're going to finish ahead of him would you think he'd realize that that was for 13th uh 12th sorry uh then probably not but alpha tauri both of them got knocked out in q1 yeah which was insane um but generally speaking his teammate outperformed him outshone him uh this weekend so i think gasly gets I mean, it's, it's a pretty pretty dire performance for Pierre, uh, considering his lofty standards from from last year. Uh, I'm going to give uh, a D. Ooh. Yeah, I would, considering here how well he kept Hamilton back. I'll upgrade it to a C, but yeah, in comparison to like how Yuki was this weekend and just general pace, not great from Gasly. No, uh, the fans, not the fans. Let's go with Tommy first. Tommy gave uh, Gasly a D uh, and the fans gave Gasly a C. Uh, so clearly gave uh, him a bit of uh, benefit of the doubt. Of course, had that incident with uh, Zhou Guanyu, didn't he? Which uh, forced him uh, towards the back of the field, um, but still no points. Uh, next up, Yuki Sonoda. Great performance. Finished P7, loving life. I think uh, he deserves an A. Yeah, why not reward reward the results like that? Because they haven't been too often. So, very true. Uh, Sonoda gets an A from Tommy. 
an A from the fans. Does he get an A from Alex Jakes? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's his track where he's got the most laps in Formula One. He's done loads of like shakedowns and pre and testing before he was in F1. So I think he knows Imola the best of any track that he's running F1 machinery. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think that that was by far his best drive in Formula One, including Abu Dhabi last year. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Abu Dhabi last year, just look at the timing sheets and go, he finished where? Fourth? <laughs> what? How? <laughs> That would, have, that would have finished everyone off because he was half a second away. I don't think we ever saw it for obvious reasons. He was half a second away from beating Carlos across the line yeah. in Abu Dhabi, right? And that would have been the final thing. Everyone would have been shouting and screaming and they'd have cut to Yuki in third and then the <laughs> screen would have gone black and that would have been it. <laughs> Imagine him on the podium for the first time ever, just absolutely vibing. Uh, that would have been amazing. Um, but yeah, you could get uh, an A from us. Sebastian Vettel. Now, we haven't spoken much about him, but we'll talk about him right now. What a performance in that donkey of a car. Uh, it really is. <laughs> I thought tractor was bad. <laughs> ah, you know, donkey. Yeah, donkey, donkey's worse. Yeah, you're, you're, not, <laughs> you, you're not getting invited to Silverstone anytime soon. No, <laughs> no well, I'll find it another way. But uh, yeah, Seb did a great result. Stayed on the lead lap, finished P8. And to be fair, it was a double points finish for Aston Martin. Um, and to be fair, it's less donkey-like now. Clearly, they've taken steps forward. Uh, but when you look again at the start of the season, they were nowhere. Uh, so that should hopefully give them some uh, hope moving forward. But no, Seb was Seb was solid. Just was in control. You kind of saw him in the points halfway through the race, and you think, "Oh, is that gonna is that gonna stay?" And yeah, he just had it under control. So Seb gets an A from me. Yeah, I think give Seb an A and his performance over the weekend as well was a nice spoonful of medicine for all the Vettel haters that were saying he was finished after Australia. I mean, he uh, obviously didn't do very well. I think we're well. a running theme, aren't we, Katie, of people being fin- <laughs> Every driver is finished Every driver on is F1 finished. Twitter. <laughs> Every driver yeah. is finished and washed and has <laughs> They're really clean and they finish the race. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Nicholas Latifi, who managed to keep it out of the wall this weekend. Woohoo! He's oh, the best one on the grid, according to F1 Twitter to now. So, uh, but um, yeah, well done to Vettel for one, keeping it out of the wall and bringing it home, and two, for getting a good result and double Aston Martin points, which now means every team on the grid has scored points, which is crazy. After four rounds, that is, that is a madness. Yeah, that uh, must be some sort of record, surely. Yeah, well, um, that's for you to find out, Katie, for one of your one of your graphics. Uh, Seb gets an A from Tommy, uh, gets an A from the fans. And uh, Alex Jakes, what did you make of it? It's good to see him back, but is I don't want to say it's only eighth. But, um, <laughs> I think he's got better in the locker, so it'll probably be a B. But um, no, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad they're finding some form with that car because, again, you don't want them to have... I mean, Melbourne was torrid. It was just sitcom-esque stuff in Melbourne. So uh, the only thing that went wrong for Aston this week is that Mike Crack didn't get invited to the team principal dinner. Do we know Come why? Come on, guys. Do we know he got why? an invite, but apparently there's a oh, communication error. Communication so error. Go. Wow. So maybe he had his phone on Do Not Disturb or something. I don't know. That sounds <laughs> like something, something that you say to guests that you don't want to invite to your wedding. Uh, <laughs> sorry, there was uh, yeah. communication. Send it via pigeon. Yeah. He tried to say, oh, I was actually the one that took the picture. And it's like, Mike, that would have been a great excuse, except there was a massive mirror in the back of shot, which you could see everything in. Wait, did he so try you and claim see- that 
I think he, I think it was like a joke. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a serious. Oh, I took it. But yeah, it was like, oh, that would have worked if Justice that wasn't a for huge mirror. <laughs> You heard it here Things first. Things I wasn't expecting Alex Jakes to say on the podcast today. Justice for Mike Crack. <laughs> okay, next up, Lance Stroll, who also scored points, a, a point, not points, but a point in 10th. Um, yeah, gets a B. B, I think, is justified. Yeah, uh, Tommy gave Lance Stroll a B. The fans gave Lance Stroll a B. And Alex Jakes, do you give Lance Stroll a B? Yeah, nice and solid. Well done, Lance. Thumbs well done, up. Lance. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas it's like the Latif. Paul Hollywood handshake that Alex yeah, Jake's thumb of approval. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Nicholas Latifi. Um, well, uh, Katie's already said, didn't bin it. Uh, so that's that's Proud of you, babe. Solid. Well done. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, well, he wasn't exactly quick. No. Alex Album was on the outskirts of the points. Nicholas Latifi finished 16th. It's still not very good. I think he's just lost so much confidence in that car that, you know, he's had these incidents, some of them big, some of them embarrassing, uh, and his confidence is is through the floor. So no surprise that he's just trying to regain some of that by finishing a race. Um, but it's still not exactly impressive. So I'm going to go with a D. <laughs> it's all well and done, but you're getting a D. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you look at where Albon managed to finish an 11th, um, 16th is not ideal. But well done for keeping it out the wall. Katie, you need to stop saying that. Okay, Tommy gave Latifi a D. Uh, the fans gave Latifi a D. And Alex Jakes, uh, three words to describe Latifi's performance? Three or words? Or more? You can have as many words as you want. Okay. Uh, this happened in Formula 2 before. Uh, he took a while to work out a new car. He'll get there. Took him until Budapest that year in Formula 2 when they introduced a new car. Totally different way of working. So give him time is what Alex Jakes would have said. Give him, give him said. time. Yeah. Come on, he's a nice chap too. <laughs> I love how this is an ABCDF1 of how nice they are. Alex is like, yeah. he's a nice guy. They're, uh, all, they're all pretty nice actually. It's a nice there's, stuff. There's, 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 no, uh, there's no rotters in the paddock. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, Alex Alban. Yeah, solid. You know, he was very close, as I say, to the points. Didn't score it, but uh, I think it deserves a B. B, Yeah. I mean, he, he, he withstood a lot of pressure as well, to be fair, uh, from behind. Clearly, that Williams is, is quite fast in a straight line as well. Um, so, yeah, managed to hold on. Tommy gave Albon an A, uh, but we're going to give him a B as our grade. Uh, and the fans gave Albon a B. What did you make of Alex? What did you make of Alex? Yeah, I think he's done really well for Williams since he's rejoined them. Uh, obviously not as brilliant as the Melbourne heroics, but, yeah, I think he's comfortable there. Everyone in the team likes working with him. Glad he's still on the grid justified it yeah now he is a lovely guy can't say a bad word about alex album uh next up valtteri bottas i mean solid solid performance from valtteri almost caught george at the end i i'm close to giving him max grade here i mean, I, I, I don't know what more he could have really done uh, in that alfa romeo uh when you look at joe guan you obviously had a very difficult weekend but still finished 15th i'm gonna give valtteri bottas an a start i don't care so am I. I think he had a brilliant weekend and I believe that he could have been a lot higher had he not been mugged off in the pit stop. Yeah, he's Bottas, honestly, Bottas he in pit stops. He could really good. It, like, it really was quite a possibility. Um, so, well done, Valtteri. I'm really happy for you. 
again, Valfrey. I'm sure he really cares. Yeah. The WTF1 podcast. <laughs> He's got this far. It's a miracle through the podcast. Uh, yeah. so, so Bottas got an A from Tommy. Well, he must have woke up on the wrong side of the bed or maybe his baby woke him up. Uh, and uh, fans gave uh, Bottas an A. So, wow, we were feeling you good have to about take that. take that back now. Maybe the fans got out of the wrong side of bed as well. Does, does, Alex, <laughs> does Alex reckon Bottas did a very, 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 very good job? Yeah, I think he's a little bit shy because he didn't pass George. George had an unbalanced card, didn't he, on the the front? So I think Valtteri, he's got everything but the ability to overtake at the sharp end. And he's so fast. That car has no business being where it is. He's driving the wheels off the thing. But if he could just uh, upgrade the overtaking... If you, you know, just, it's, it's just such a shame. Do such his a job. Shame. But you're right. The pit stop, the pit stop was was really harsh on him. Um, and yeah, uh, great performance though. Alpha's best result in Imola for like 40 years or something. Daft. Wow, that is that is that is big. Uh, his teammate Joe Guan Yu had that incident with Gasly, which was a racing incident. You know, just a bit of wheel to wheel racing, which I'm sure he's getting used to as well. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, it wasn't great. I'm going to go with a D. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go for as well. Okay, Tommy gave Joe a D and the fans gave him a C. I suppose, Alex, you might lean on the side of he's a rookie and give him some time. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. Nicely done, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) I can read your mind. Uh, And finally, the two Haas drivers, Kevin Magnussen. I mean, what a qualifying he had. He ended up finishing P9. So some more points for Haas. You know, let's not let's not take that for granted. This is not a normal thing for Haas to be doing. Uh, maybe could have been a bit better if he'd gone on the soft tyres rather than the mediums in the sprint. Um, but generally speaking, it was, you know, that Haas isn't, I don't think it's the third fastest car. Like I think we had a question uh, come in earlier. I think there is K-Mag, a little bit like Bottas, is putting that Haas maybe where it doesn't belong at times. So for me, I'm going to give K-Mag a B. B as well. Uh, Tommy gave him a B. The fans gave him a B. Thoughts on K-Mag? I think he's doing incredibly well. Um, I think given the fact that he was racing in America last year and all that food over there, uh, I'm not quite sure that he's even back in F1 physical shape yet. So I think he's doing wonders uh, with that car. Imagine just a week before, you know, you sat on your couch, maybe having some big bag of crisps. And then, ah, oh, do you want to come to F1? I mean, to be fair, his neck was breaking, wasn't it? Or snapping or whatever the word he said uh, around Saudi. And it just like failed on him. So no surprise that, uh, you know, he should get better and better as the season goes on physicality wise. And that should help with, with his driving as well. And finally, Mick Schumacher. Oh, I'm running slightly out of excuses for Mick now. I feel like he should be doing better than he is you know i'm a big shumi fanboy you can't see it in this particular layout but i he he needs to be more on the pace of k-mag than he actually is he had a good sprint race don't get me wrong you know he started 10th on the grid but you know it was a it was a mistake at the start of the race and that plummeted him down i don't i'm not going to give him an e uh, but it is a, a low d as katie would say <laughs> yeah no that was a really um, unfortunate mistake at the start of the race and kind of just paved the way for how the rest of his Grand Prix was going to look. But yeah, I'm tempted with an E for Schumacher. Okay, I'll give him an E as well then. All right. Okay, so I'm not, well, the person, <laughs> not the only person. Not the only person to say. An E. Well, yeah, Alex, when you, Jake, you finish well, 17. Listen, listen to this. Tommy gave him an F. 
so that is a full-blown <laughs> fail from Tom Bellingham, the WTF1 founder. The fans gave him a D. Uh, obviously, Alex Jakes, you're going to go down the route of... Uh, he's not a rookie, but he's, he's new. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I can I can make I can make an argument for Mick. Uh, this is basically his rookie season because of what he had to drive last year. So uh, much like George Russell when he came into Formula One and he had a car that was on the grid but wasn't really of Formula One. On the grid. Um, but it was it was bad. It was bad. Um, and forget about it and come back. And the next three races, I think, for Mick are really important for where he drives in the next couple of years. Definitely, uh, he needs to earn that next promotion for sure. His name can only carry him so far. Uh, that is ABCDF1 done. Uh, we now go on to our Imola predictions. Oh, goody. So mine are boring dry race and the track will be questioned for its suitability for Formula 1. I wish I'd just said the track will be questioned for its suitability. I think that's half a point, to be you honest. You went too exotic. I think that's half a point. I think that, that I, you need to give me something here because the other one is very wrong. So, uh, I mean, Katie, would you be... Would, I mean, Alex can also get involved in this. You can be the overarching... Wait, he's your friend. Yeah, Alex, half a point? What do you yeah, think? Uh, I think yeah, half a point. I think half a point. Cool, good. Uh, and Mick Schumacher scores first point, moving on. And then you lose that half a point <laughs> yeah. for being that being far so out. so wrong. I mean, he got given an F... <laughs> like 10 <laughs> seconds ago in this podcast so yeah you lose the half point benefit <laughs> um i went for both mclarens in the points again which you could take as sprint points i haven't been i mean you'd already locked it in from. you'd locked it in before we even got to sunday so i, I would say yes that that deserves a point <laughs> and i said verstappen wins the sprint so That's a double. You should have put some money on that one, Katie, to be fair. Mm. Uh, Tommy, he's never allowed to make a prediction ever again. Like, he is just not allowed. He went for Ferrari 1-2 in the race. Oh, Tommy's put in the chat. Tommy's race. watching along this uh, to this live, and he said no to a half point. No, I don't care, Tommy. You're, you're not part of this podcast. We've, got someone, we've got someone new in town. Alex Jakes. Yeah, welcome. old news now. <laughs> Um, miss you, Tommy. See you soon. Uh, but yes, he went for Ferrari 1-2 in the race, which is absolutely disgusting. He did that on purpose. Uh, and Alonso top five in quali, which is true because yeah, quali right. is actually Friday now, whereas mm -hmm. this Saturday is actually just the sprint. Um, Yana Watmere said Lewis versus Max for the win. <laughs> there was Lewis versus Max, but Lewis was being lapped by Max. Uh, at Rayshik <laughs> underscore Latifi doesn't crash in all sessions. That's a point. Go on, Rayshik. I love how that was like, oh, that's a bit of a wild prediction. And finally, I show Deji, Alpine, or McLaren on the podium. Wow. Go on. Well done. Come on, the fans. Love that. So that's two points for, for you. Miami predictions. I'm sorry. Carlos Sainz, but I've gone for Sainz weekend goes badly. I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that's his fault, but I just feel like he's on a string of bad luck at the moment. And Haas do not make Q3. I Katie. love that that's a prediction compared to how we were last year. Yeah. Like that's ah. a bold prediction. That's a, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I've said there's going to be too much hype around the race and it's going to be dull. It's going to be boring. Um, and I've gone for Alpha Tauri double points because I thought, do you know what? Why not? I've managed to bag two today, so I'm just going to throw some out the window. <laughs> Brilliant. See, like, I'm so far ahead. I'm just going to make crazy predictions now. Love it. Tommy has gone for Zhou Guan Yu makes Q3. Okay. Love that to happen. And Merck on the podium. 
no Ferrari predictions. Love that, Tommy. Thank you. Uh, Alex, I'm going to put you on the spot very briefly. Is there one wild prediction that we can add in, which we can reflect on after Miami for, uh, for an Alex Jakes? Yeah, Charles Leclerc to win by 30 seconds. <gasps> no, I've just done that to curse him to wind you up. Um, I think a desperate, the only prediction I'm going to make is a desperate attempt by everyone broadcasting on that race not to call it a race in a car park. Don't say that's, it out that's loud. That's good. It, it, might be, it might look like a car park. It might be a car park. Don't say it's a car park. That's on you as well. For You're, you're the one talking, so don't say it. Yeah. Um, at Levicious X, Bottas will finish in the top five again. Uh, at P. Sotino, Leclerc wins by a 30-second margin. But did you read that? I must, I must have, I must have read that. You must have subliminally seen that. I tell tell you what, that's that's decent. Yeah, but I'm ahead of him in the running order. I love that. I love that. And finally, Broicky 83. Will Smith is waving the finish flag, or at least he's going to sing "I'm Going to Miami" that weekend. If if that happens, we have watched the most extraordinary, like, evening in the history of television. Uh, I can I can guarantee through recent events that is probably not going to happen. Right there, you go. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Thank you to Team WTF1 for watching this live. It's been a chaotic. Uh, podcast it has to be said uh, now Alex I know you you know you're an avid listener of the podcast sure um, what I do now didn't is you I say you didn't watch channel 4 f1 earlier I'd like to say quite... I did I'm teacher's pet over here right, I watched there we it are. thank you yeah, Katie right. um, I, I to... enjoyed your contribution today yet again <laughs> Matt you, at least you tried <laughs> I was going to ask you for a final thought but there it was thank you Alex um, Katie final thoughts um, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us for the podcast. It's been an absolute honour to have you no, on this. That's, that's, that's an easy get out. You've just, Alex was thanking you. You've gone, that's my final thought. I'll thank Alex. Come on, something, something more insightful. No one's thanking you, Matt. No, no, that's, that, that's why I'm angry. <laughs> Where's my thanks? And my I've final thoughts are thank too. you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else, I still have to give no, you, one. you look like you're about to say something else, but don't worry if not, it's fine. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to my final thoughts, which is the next podcast we do watch out well next one or the one after miami week just watch out okay see where that podcast is filmed from yeah oh we'll see we'll see where that is anyway that is it thank you everybody for watching and listening hashtag wcf1 podcast if you want to get involved next time thank you to alex jakes the channel 4 f1 commentator for spending some time with us it's been an absolute pleasure mate thank you uh for getting straight off a plane and listening to our waffle for an hour and a half. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time for another podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.